Hi, welcome to the Xbox World Podcast. Uh, hope you're well, and we're going to chat like we normally do about all sorts of things. Some funny, most probably not very funny. Uh, some stuff about games, obviously. Specifically Xbox games, but who knows, we may go off the, the beaten path and talk about other games. But anyway, this, I'm going to uh, introduce myself. I'm Tim, the editor, and the other guys are going to introduce themselves. Then we'll uh, we'll back, we'll move on from there. Uh, I'm Matt, staff writer, and I'm Mike. I'm the other staff writer. So um, before we go any further, I must just uh, tell listeners about a great little uh, a great little thing that happened to us on the walk over here just now. Yeah, I was going um, to make you tell this story if you didn't tell it. On the way, uh, we were cutting through a car park to get up to the uh, up to the recording studio here, and. Uh, I swear to you, I heard a seagull call my name. The thing is, Bath is just, there are loads of gulls flying around Bath all the tons time. Tons of seagulls, yeah. I swear it suddenly went, Tim, Tim. Didn't I? And I stopped and I said yeah. to you, I'm sure seagulls just called my name. Anyway, I carried on and it went, Tim, Tim. And I was like, okay, this is getting a bit spooky now. So uh, so I sort of turned around and said, I said, I said to one of you guys, I'm sure seagulls, I was literally positive. That seagulls called my name. Mike said, uh, or Matt, I can't remember which one it was, said, uh, Tim, I think your mobile phone's on in your pocket. So I pick it out and it's my wife saying, Tim, 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 your mobile phone's on. So it wasn't a girl calling my name at all, but in fact, my wife. What would you have done if it was a girl? Don't know. I might have been a bit worried. Playing a circus. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I might have been worried about my general levels of sanity if it had been a, uh, a seagull calling my name. But I swear to you, I. Didn't I? That's the first thing I said. I said, I'm sure a seagull just called my name. Tim. Tim. <laughs> just, you're just oh, dead air now. And now you're spilling water for yourself. This is a nice compliment to the, um, the video we recorded earlier in the week where I spilled water on me. On my genitals. Yeah. In one of I them mean, videos yes. we recorded. So, um, <clears throat> let's talk some, about, some stuff about games then. What? Have we been playing? Well, I'll tell you what we've, we've been, been playing a couple of things today, this morning. Yeah, literally this morning. Yeah, um, we might as well talk about um, we might as well talk about Terminator first. Um, I, I mean, I, I think we're probably not allowed to talk too much about the uh, the the plot side of things, otherwise um, <clears throat> otherwise the Hollywood studio will be on. Christian Bale come over and swear at you. Yeah, that's right. But I think we can talk a You'll little like, bit I'm about kick the, your ass. A, a bit about the game in general. And uh, Matt, you <laughs> saw it. Um, I played it. Played it. Impressions. I played it. See, I played Wanted by by Grin as well. It's not an amazing game, but it's a fun game. Very short, quite ropey, but fun. Terminator, well, played a few levels. It seems quite short. It's definitely ropey, and it's not a lot of fun. I think it's possible Grin are the worst developer in the world. I, uh, we, we were saying this on the way over is that I, I said to Mike it's like Grin reverting back to uh, that's more like the Grin we know yeah Not, I, th- I think they're genuinely the worst developer in the world they can't do guns <laughs> well here's like the rocket launcher it felt like um, you know those little white they look like tadpoles that you throw on the ground and yeah make, oh, it felt like bangers. shooting that, yeah it felt like shooting that at, yeah. at Terminator did now, nothing after Wanted I want to I give Grin all the love in the world but I don't think they're very good because we, we also got another game in this morning, Leisure Suit Larry, and we were playing that, and we were like, man, Team 17, they really let themselves go. But when you think, it's like Team 17, it's not like they're getting offered big gigs, you know? Mm. They've got their one cash cow, Worms, which they have to keep milking just to stay afloat. And every now and again, they get something like Leisure Suit Larry, which, you know, you can't really blame them for it being awful. But Grin have been given Ghost Recon Advanced Warfighter. Mm. They've been given the ter- you know, Terminator 4, 
They've been given Wanted, which is like you know, a perfect setup for a game. They've been given Bionic Commando. And in every instance, they've shat it. Mm. They've just dropped the ball completely. It's like Wanted is a, good, is a decent game, but I don't think it's by design. I think it's by, by sheer fluke. By sheer dumb luck, it's just a good game. System, but also remember that's their um, that's their game, which was made in their Barcelona studio, their new studio. Oh right, I so didn't realise that it was actually uh, oh. you know, it was from outside of the um, the main office. Interesting. So the thing is with Wanted as well is that it's it's four hours long, and I think you said Mike that if it was more than four hours long, it, yeah, you do you don't want to play it for anymore. It'd be tailing off a little. I think. Bit. I mean, I think I clocked it up at yeah about. I think it was about three myself, but you can play Ooh, one. That's better games than I am. Well, it's close to two and a half. No, it's three, um, and you can play it back with either headshot mode or, um, well, if you unlock them, headshot mode or close combat mode. Just frustrating. Turned on, but to play it back in those modes, you think, oh yeah, just shake it up a bit. No, you have to kill every blooming enemy in that game, either with a headshot or using close combat in those modes, and there are a lot of enemies in that game. It's not fun. No. Like even three hours of doing that. No, no see, that's the thing. They always, they always stack bad ideas on, on top of good. Like, cover system in uh, Wanted is great. Bullet Curving's good. Bullet Curving's great. I mean, there's loads of good ideas in Wanted. Like, Wanted is a decent game. But, it, oh my God, they, they insist upon... We, and we, we mentioned it, I think, on the last podcast, or possibly the one before. The, what engine are they using? Yeah. That engine is just uh, disgraceful. I mean, you, you, all you do is load. Same with Terminator. Terminator has... Um, must we should just point out it was preview code, so the loading times aren't final or anything. But there was almost as much loading as there was playing. But, and, mean, it's only, and the thing is, like in between the loading, same with wanted, the levels or the level sections are really, really short, mm. like very short. Same with Bionic Commando well, as well. Bionic Commando, you go down we, a street and you go in a tunnel, and then you have to load I was the next. Say, street. We should say that there is a section of Bionic Commando when you first get your arm, you exit this office block, jump off. Swing once, swing twice, and then you load the next section. And that entire section lasts about nine, eight seconds, if you're being generous. It's not even a full ten, you know? And it's because the environment is more vertical than it is, you know, horizontal. So you jump and you can clear virtually the entire environment in one big, big leap. And because of the limitations of their engine, you can't stream in the next section. So you just have to, you go into a tunnel and you load the next section. It's... A horrible way to play any mm. game. It's a horrible way to play Wanted, but I forgave it because Wanted, as we've explained, is a cheeseburger. Mm. And the thing with Terminator, though, is that I think Mike and I came over and watched watched you playing it for a bit. The first section was this t- really tedious section where you were trying to take down, I think, what what is going to be called one of the Hunter Killers in the new um, new film, which is kind of like... Is um, that the thing you're firing rockets at? Yeah. It's yeah, like it flies, sort of, it's the old, sort of drop Yeah, they were actually kind of. in the old Terminator movies yeah. as well. It's like these flying things which have got like... They look Beams. really menacing, like drop ship kind of yeah. things. And they shoot, Firing a rocket launcher at that, which seemed to go on for ages. And that was at the point that Mike and I kind of walked away and left you at it. Yeah. And then uh, when I came back the second time, it was an on-rails section in a tunnel. Yeah, Just like... Oh, not another on rails. It's, it's ticking every book in the cliche, the big well, book of cliches. I mean, you guys will be able to tell me when has on rails ever been good? I mean, has there been any a good example? Half Life opening, that as an opening, like where you're not. Doing yeah, anything. but it's not like you're doing anything. It's like it's just, just, a, it's just a good role. intro to the game. Same as Bioshock is a good intro to the game. Yeah. But if you're talking about like bits where you're on a turret, yeah, defending something. The cod, some well? of the cod bits were all right. Oh, I tell you what, yeah, Graw and Cod didn't do it too badly. Because they, 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 were, they were both really short. 
Gears wasn't too bad. I mean, I'm not Gears' biggest fan. Oh, no, Gears 2 has a terrible on-rails bit. Which one? On top bit of where you're, the... A bit where you're riding on the thing, flying away. Oh, jeez, yeah. God, I, that I was, bit's awful. I was talking about the bit where you're stomping through on those, or you're going on those vehicles, and you've got all the locusts at the bottom. Oh, yeah, that's not too bad. I mean, when you're riding the broom rack right at the end. No, um, no, quite early on. When you're on the big vehicle, whatever it is, oh yeah, the mounted turrets. Oh yeah, but even then, you're sort of you're moving around. You know, you're taking still you can still take cover. Mm. You don't have to sit on the gun. Like one of you will sit on the gun, and one of you will run around. So it mixes up that kind of on rails thing quite nicely. But if you're talking about like being super glued to a turret, mm. it's, it only ever works if it's I've done got the for game. Like, you know a couple of minutes. I've got the game seconds. fifty cent because there's a swear button. There's a swear all button. Better off then. <laughs> Makes it instantly good. Well, I mean, even then they had to come up with a gimmick to make it good. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like on rail section. No, it's like Mike says, ticks every. Every everything has been ticked there where it's, it's saying to me, please, please don't play me. Well, for the most part, what I played, it was just like T-70s, which like, I think it's T-70s. I don't know, they're the spider bot things, which you have to shoot them at the back because that's where their weak point is. It's just like you fight one, then you fight three, then you fight two, then you fight three. It's like one section after the other, then you fight three. And then, yeah, the level's clear of them. And then the hunter-killer dropship drops two more right in front of you. So you fight two. It's like, oh, my goodness. I will concede that Grin aren't, as I was exaggerating earlier, the worst developer in the world. (laughs) But what I will say is what they they keep keep giving given these plum jobs. Jobs which should ideally translate Mm. to great, great games. Now, maybe they're on crazy time limits or tiny budgets for each of these games. Who knows? But something's going wrong. Mm. And I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt and say it's not a core problem with the studio. But... There's certainly a problem there. I mean, maybe maybe they're getting these jobs because they're setting they're, they're the lowest bidder or something, mm. and as a result, they're not they can't they haven't got enough money just to throw at the game. You know, when often you know when you got a problem, just throw money at it until it goes away. And these games have got big problems. Fair to say they're probably one of the two most overhyped studios. Yeah. So along, along, with, Pellet. along with Gearbox. Oh, oh Gearbox, God, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. you are Gearbox. absolutely overhyped. The thing, or or the, certainly on evidence of what they've produced so far. Yeah. Brothers and Arms is a great series. It's certainly not a series you wait two years past the original release date for, which is when it came out. They're just, they're just bad at delivering stuff on time, I think, Gearbox. Uh, we had uh, someone write into our magazine just the other day saying, hey, mate, you know, did, you, did you guys think... Um, do you know, I've, really, I've heard that Aliens has been delayed. Man, that's really disappointing. Do you think we'll see it like pretty soon? You're like, geez, man, it's a Gearbox game. I'll be we'll be lucky if we see it before 2012. Mm. The thing is with Grin is that I mean generally the sort of the sort of Scando developers do tend to have great tech. That's the strange thing. I mean yeah. their, their tech is their strong point because they got such brainiacs up there in the north. I mean Dice um, have brilliant tech. Yeah, the engines they, the engineers for bad companies lovely. And you Starbreeze techs really phenomenal good, yeah. as well, you know. So it's it's not it's it's usually not a tech problem with Scandinavia. So I think you're probably right, Mike, that maybe there is like a... There's definitely something wrong. I'm not sure what it is. Yeah. Like I say, I'm prepared to give the benefit of the doubt. I mean, you get the PC Grawl games are actually pretty good. Yeah. But then they're using an all-existing um It's a completely you know, different game. It is, it, it is a completely is it? different game, though, yeah. But, but I mean, presumably they would have used UB's technology and stuff. No clue. It. I can't remember what engine it runs on, but it's, it's like a first-person shooter and a third and stuff. Oh, right, it's okay. very different. It's a pretty decent game. Yeah. But, um, God, if you're looking forward to Bionic Commando, I wouldn't do that. We've had that in the office as well. Yeah, Bionic Commando. I mean, we gave it to uh, Tom to uh, have a play of, and he... Uh, Bear in mind, Rob Taylor last year, when he came, he came out, a few people might remember listening to the podcast last year and hearing Rob saying, this is not a game to be looking forward to. So we're not really telling anyone anyone they don't, no. they don't know already. No, and he 
Tom said that uh, it's got an absolutely dreadful beginning. Uh, and by and beginning, we mean like opening few hours. Yeah, opening not few five hours. minutes. No, no, no. Opening few hours, dreadful, and then it, it sort of gets, sort of gets a bit better after that. The problem is, though, the question you got to ask is why should you have to wade through two hours of uh, averageness to get to uh, to get to the good bits? You know what I'm, I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm totally like that with everything. Though it's like everyone keeps telling me I got to watch Battlestar again. I love the first series of Battlestar. Series two sucked. Series three sucked. Series two is brilliant. Nah. So I was. Um, Didn't series two have Scar in it? Yeah. Yeah, that was that old dumperama. It had a good ending. That's one where it ends up with President Baltar in bed with a bunch of hoes when the Cylons come to the planet, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So uh, the beginning, the beginning of season three, literally the first four episodes are absolutely amazing. Yeah, when they're trying to liberate the planet. Yeah, yeah. that was great. Yeah, and then it tailed good. off a lot in season three. Yeah. I was only saying on the way over here that I've uh, just started watching. Well, I'm mid midway through season for the last season. I got ten episodes to go, and I, I sort of I was the same as you, Mike. I sort of went off Battlestar a bit, but for different reasons. Because as as the guys here know, I'm not a massive sci-fi fan. I don't mind sci-fi. I specifically. Don't mind sci-fi that's got some sort of grounding in reality, mm-hmm. uh, but I don't like like Klingons and things with funny faces and you know lasers and all that shit. You know, I just I could do with all that, without that. And that's why I bought into Battlestar in the first place is because all the technology was that they used this really ancient ship and it was like, you know, they all the Marines and stuff all had like bullets, bullet gun, you know, guns with bullets in. It wasn't lasers and it wasn't you know, and everything was it played out almost like a sort of war kind of film you know more than a sci-fi film and then in season four and i think towards the end of season three i can't really remember it all started getting a bit sci-fi it all started getting a bit like hybrid and the uh crazy cylon ship with its surreal kind of and i was just like mm. but i thought i'm so close to the end now but i should see it through so and it has picked up again yeah that was very again. brave of you i see i took the other tack which was to say yeah i know it's going to get good but i'm not prepared to sit for the hour after hour it's going to take for me to get to the part where it does get good mm. and that's why i probably might be playing bionic commando yeah but you've been playing another bad game this yeah, morning leisure suit larry god that we should say that's on sale now so you can use this as a uh, as a way to uh, uh you can use this basically as our review because unsurprisingly they didn't get code out to us in time uh, for yeah, our, the issue that. we just sent, which, um, as anyone who's listened to us for any length of time or read the mag will know that that generally isn't a good sign. I don't know. We've had some good games after release, like uh, Lost. <laughs> yeah, and, exactly. Uh, yeah. Sometimes around Christmas time, workers, yeah. just because they're dense the schedules are, one or two will slip through the net and when yeah. they're coming in with a late review, but most of the time it's because they're trying to dodge bad criticism. Shell shock. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when when you get code through the door and it's retail code, you know it's probably not going to be. I think the good. only, literally, the only one I can remember off the top of my head that we've ever had in late, as and has been brilliant, has been Left for Dead. Apart from that, yeah, because Va- and Orange Box Orange came Box. in as well. Oh after yeah, release, yeah, because yeah, yeah. Valve are very funny. They just always drop it at the last minute. Yeah, but uh, yeah. Anyway, Leisure Suit Larry, Mike. <sighs> well. In rubbish, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> and bang goes the no edit of this podcast. <laughs> you can beep it out. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah. Okay. So the engine. Let's start with the technical side of things. Engines are shambles, and it's unreal. So what Team Seventeen have done with it, I don't know. Uh, it's just proof that if you can't just buy the Unreal Engine and get a good game straight away. It's, the engine is just, the entire world's disintegrating around your ears, basically. The world loads itself as you walk forward. 
So you're in like an open kind of world, and you 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 move forward in your little truck, your little car, little golf buggy. Bear in mind, this thing goes probably like walking speed. Yeah. And you saw it. Like, yeah. Yeah. Look at him looking over my shoulder. An entire building loaded in front of me. It was yeah. a flat, just a flat sprite, just a texture, sitting in front of me, which then faded out and then faded back into polygons. And then the textures loaded in on those polygons. Matt and I have seen at least a couple of occasions where we'd be able to see right through walls, mm. this polygon seams. And at one point I managed to drive through a wall. Not only that, Mike, you drove through the wall and then you were like half in the... This was in a golf buggy, half in, half out the wall. Then did like two 360s, like completely right round. Yeah. And you managed to angle it so that the, the golf buggy flipped up and then drove up the building. Yeah. Up the outside of the wall, but halfway in. Yeah. So the wheels were in the building. And the camera was inside the building. The camera went in the building. <laughs> and then it dropped down to the bottom, yeah. to the street level. And then completely got stuck. And you could honk your horn, but you couldn't get out. And you couldn't reverse. And you had to turn the game off. Yeah. So that's rubbish, obviously. Then there's, like, the actual game. Now, the last Leisure Suit Larry wasn't a good game. I mean, it was like Magna Cum Live wasn't a good game. But it had all these little mini games. And all the, people, all the old school Leisure Suit Larry fans, of which I'm sure there's at least two, we're all like, oh, this isn't no good. This isn't Larry. Well, yeah, Legend Suit Larry always sucked, so it was good that it wasn't Legend Suit Larry. But it was full of mini games, you know. Like, like none of them were very good, but at the same time, none of them were awful either. You mm. know, it was always like you have a conversation with a chick, and you'd have to, as you were going along, so you wouldn't mess up the conversation. You have to guide the sperm along, I yeah. think, or something. And there was another game, which the, the quarters game was actually kind of fun. You used this analog yeah. stick to flick quarters. And back then, we were all like. Oh, who'd buy a game that's just nothing but mini games? And then the Wii comes along, and it's just literally a platform run entirely by mini games. Mm. And we all look like douchebags. But I mean, the fact was, it wasn't a great game. It wasn't very funny. But what I did have going for it was nudity and loads of shagging. Co- copious nudity. Copious nudity and just crass nudity. L- Larry's horrid, shriveled little testes on display. <laughs> All the time. Massive I'm surprised they didn't design it for the Wii with like all the mini games and just like a strap-on controller holder. No, oh, well, no, no. But that's you're disgusting. You're not being disgusting. I'm not being disgusting. Why would he say but, that? I know. <laughs> here's why. Because that's what it was about last time. And they didn't have the, the last one was massively crass. The new one, this this one, new has, one isn't so crass. There's no reason for this one's existence. At least last one they were going for a very specific audience. Bear in mind the that. old Larry games didn't have loads of shagging and nudity. In. I mean, it wasn't about that. It was just about loads of crass references. But what you have to remember is back in the early 90s, all that crass reference stuff, this is what we said about Duke Nukem before. Mm. Back in the early 90s, that was like real, really near the knuckle. You know, yeah. jokes about boners and like, you know, big titties and stuff. That was like, oh, wow, damn, that's, that's some... That's some that's some naughty shit, you know, in my yeah. game. Wow, it only got an 18 certificate for yeah, that. Yeah, like, you know, that was some quite... naughty stuff back in games then. But now we live in a world where you can download a video of a German man defecating on himself. <laughs> and, and it's like, it's like what, what was shocking and funny back then is not shocking and funny now. No. So what you, what you need is a game which is really, really well written. It's like Porky's these days. Yeah. Ain't so funny. No. Animal House ain't so funny and you'll get people who say it is no it ain't no. it really ain't so what you need is like some classy writing with lowbrow jokes and that's perfect it's perfectly possible to do that uh, or, or or the alternative is you just have a game that is so because the thing is with video games as opposed to pornography say is that video games you know you you can walk into a shop and you can pick up a a, a, a game and it's like this is a degree of, I suppose 
social acceptability about mm. that, you know. And that's the reason for, for the first games, you know. It's mild like, titillation. Yeah, exactly. In in mild form. titillation in game form. And uh, so, you know, either you do what you say, you have great right and lowbrow jokes, or you just have amazing amount of nudity in your game. Yeah. And a load of shagging. What, and that's what Magna Carta And that's what, what the last one did. And that's why you remember it. It's not because it had these great mini games. It's because it was, you remember it. Oh, yeah, that was the one with, you know. And, and the thing is, is that graphically it wasn't so bad that the, the women in it were kind of, in virtual form, kind of attractive, you know. Cartoony, exactly. Jessica Rabbit style. Whereas no, in this one, you're, they you're, are you're absolutely hideous. Yeah. Both, both, Matt, both Matt and I are going to jump off that particular that particular uh, boat straight away. We're going to swim back to the island. Yeah. On the old cartoon babes front. That's right. And there's Sorry. no... There's no, there's no um, nudity in this at all or, or, or smut or anything really the girls in the new one look really strange everybody does I was saying about everyone Larry. looks about 12 yeah which La- straight off is just Larry's quite got this like he's like weird pedo eyes you know he, he looks through these like little <laughs> beady eyes at people he looks like um, like you wouldn't basically you, you wouldn't let him show you a puppy <laughs> you definitely want to let him show you a puppy. He's just a creep. Mm. And that's and that's something I've never really got about Leisure Suit Larry is that the dude's a pervert. He's supposed to be a likable loser. But no, the the dude's a, a, a creepy little sweaty pervert. I don't want to play as that guy. It's like when I'm when I'm playing as a character in a game, I wanna feel like, you know, empowered. I don't want to feel like a greasy perv. <laughs> no matter how much he gets laid. So yeah, it's not a very good game. I mean all you do in the game is go from what I can work out between three separate buildings delivering stuff. And then every now and again, you get to take part in like a film set or something, which involves punching people. Outrageously bad mini games, just astonishingly bad. They're not really mini games; they're in the game. But all of a sudden, all your all your buttons will change to like punches and kicks and stuff, or depending on the game. I mean, one involves like some game on the on the Titanic. It's just look. No one listening to the podcast is going to buy it. Yeah. We've already given it far too much time on the podcast. Nobody needed us to tell them it was bad. But look, it's just bad. Yeah. No, from, don't buy it. From Please. one dodgy sexual game to another. Um, last week we saw a very short-lived game in Break One Out. Yeah, it was only out for been about pulled. eight hours. Oh, has it been pulled now? Yeah, yeah. it got pulled uh, later on. Um, it weren't good. No. Was it right to be pulled, though? I mean, it gave three out of three for we don't, sex. We don't know so who that pulled is... it. We, don't, we might have been the um, creator who pulled it. See, this game, for anyone who doesn't know, is a breakout clone where behind the blocks is a chick in various states of undress. And it's actually the chick who made the game. Yeah, which I don't think anyone picked up on. They no, not, not many people picked up on that. Someone's girlfriend or whatever. But no, she made it. She made yeah. it. But it's like, you know, everything's like censored and stuff. Um... Not just by blocks, but by like big black bars. Thing is, which I'm sure for some people is a disappointment. I I I honestly think it's a genius idea to make her money. Like, oh, that I game got they, more that attention. Than, that game got more attention than any community game since the vibrating massage game, and that game was like the biggest one since Weapon of Choice, which was actually a decent mm. game. I mean, this thing was for for those eight hours. This thing was. Everywhere, just I mean, was, you could not like every single blog, every single big news site. They were covering this game. People were people were blogging it, going, "Oh man, this is a disgrace!" Or like, "Whoa, look at this!" The controversy sells. I mean, it works. It? It's genius. I guarantee you she sold loads in that time. But I'm, just, I'm not sure who pulled it. And um, with, with a bit of luck, we're probably trying to track the uh, the creator down. She's elusive, unfortunately. 
so we haven't been able to rustle that yet. But it would be nice to sail in and see, see what went on there. Um, be quite interesting to find out who pulled it because I mean, she pulled it then. I guess she's got her own reasons. So I know that there was a lot of insulting stuff posted online about it, which, which I guess like would have upset her. She'd read it. Yeah. Understandably so. What do you expect though? You put yourself out there. It's yeah. like if, you, if the three of us sort of made a game with our friggin' schwangers. <laughs> we should do the same, just a, a black bar, black uh, massive square. We could as well. Community games, we could do it. I, mean, I don't think we get so I mean, many essentially, sales. you're just taking a breakout game and inserting a JPEG into it. Yeah. We could do that. Mm. That would be strong. We could give away 200 points on the disc for everyone to download it, <laughs> play, play the game, Xbox World. We could make it like... Um, just the most repulsive game anyone's ever played. The Pong clone. Yeah. Schlong. <laughs> Schlong. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it raises an interesting question if, if Microsoft pulled it. I, I mean, don't I think guess they would have. I mean, these things are peer-reviewed. Mm. Yeah. And they, it got up with a, a three out of three rating for sex. Because these things are rated by sex, violence, and various other factors. Got a three out of three rating for sex. It's like Jesus. If this game's a three out of three, I'd hate to. Right, <laughs> yeah. It's like I mean, it's, it's basically it's a girl, I mean, it's a girl is, sort it's... of on just you know on her knees, covering her boobs. It's not like yeah. it's not like. Whoa! I mean, we've seen worse in stuff like BMX Triple X or even the last Leisure Suit Larry. So it's you're not like absolutely it. obsessed with BMX. <laughs> no, I'll just I'll you just are, give you examples. Yeah, you're, you're always coming back with your with BMX Triple X. You absolutely love that game. I haven't mentioned you were the it only, like, yeah. you, you were the only person in the world. Do you realise that the only person in the world who bought it? Do you realise that? It sold one copy. I bought it know. when it was um, still, like, at the time, I wasn't so up on games. And I thought it was still, like, Dave Mirrors. Oh, yeah. What? Because I had, like, that, Dave Mirrors on the front with a bat wangers, like. Got, I oh, yeah, this is, I, was, I think this is still Dave about Mirrors. Dave Mirror. Yeah, this is still wearing on the Dave Mirror. This is still officially endorsed by Dave Mirror. You're a disgrace, palette. No, you're not, you're not, you're not having, I'm not, I'm not having any of that. Can't you should set up else. some sort of BMX XXX support group on the forum. I will, I think I might. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. Fan club. So, uh, GDC's just finished. Is it finished? Yeah, it has finished yeah. now, yeah. Uh, and uh, some in- sort of semi-interesting stuff coming out of there. Uh, first of all was the um, was Crytek demo in their Crisis engine. Th- the CryEngine 3 running at about... I don't know. Two frames a second. <laughs> it wasn't running at a high frame rate, but if, you, if anyone has gone back to look at E3 2005, which I have recently for a feature I've been writing in our next issue. If you look at uh, you know Gears of War running back in 2005, man, that game was running in single digits. The mm. frame rate was astonishing. And Marcus Phoenix looked very, very strange. Yeah. Yeah, it's worth picking up if only for that. Old mm. Phoenix looked weird. He looked like an old coal miner from like shit from up north. Yeah. But yeah, um, I wouldn't worry too much about the frame rate. I mean, bear in mind they were running it with like loads of settings cranked right up for their for showing PS3 and Xbox. Mm. I think what was conspicuous though is that every time they showed PS3 footage, it was basically a guy walking down corridors and so on. Every time they showed Xbox footage, it was stuff exploding and collapsing. So I think yeah. even at this stage, they've got it running slightly nicer on Xbox. Yeah. But I mean, Unreal 3 was the same. They had it running nicely on Xbox long before they had it running nicely on PS3. Um, Yes, good news. There's nothing about this that isn't good news. It's good no. news for Cry, um, Crytek because it gets their engine used more. It's good news for console owners because we will see you know games using CryEngine, which is a lovely, lovely engine. Mm. There's anyone who's used it. The big problem, of course, is I mean, if anyone out there thinks you're going to get Crisis running on Xbox, I wouldn't hold my breath. The thing with Crisis is isn't how beautiful it is, although that is a big part of the appeal. Is how huge the environments are and how much how wide they are. I mean, you're essentially going down relatively linear paths. 
but the amount of choice you get within that path and how wide the path is is incredible. You know, it's, there's so many ways to, on certain state levels, so many ways to get from point A to point B. I mean, do you take a, do you take a boat? Do you take the road? Do you go through the hills? Do you go through, you know, do you go through trees? Do you get on your knees and crawl through, you know, to the muddy like paths? How are you going to get from there? It's like you have so many choices, and that essentially is all going to be down to the, you know, the PC being able to handle that much stuff going on all at once, which the 360 can't really do. Just, I'm sure you can um, fudge it. Like Far Cry, the way Far Cry fudges it, yeah. I, I don't see uh, any reason why they can't do that. Certainly, I mean, if they've, they've just got Free Radical, obviously, yeah. uh, who are used to working well, on consoles. I'm sure those it. guys will be just getting straight to work on CryEngine projects. Well, exactly, so I don't see why they can't... I don't know, maybe maybe they can uh, get cracking with Haze too. I'm sure one. they could fudge yeah. it, but then again, then you're taking away one of the big things which makes Crisis what it is. Like, when you're in Crisis, you walk out onto this um, sort of, like, crescent-shaped bay and uh, you look into the distance and those mountains are there and the trees over there they're there and the buildings over there they're all there and you can see them and they're being like you know fully you know they're being rendered by the engine as i as i understand it the, the 360 ain't got enough ram to even approach doing environments of that size it just hasn't and if you're looking at crisis on consoles which make no mistake you're gonna get it's going to be something named Crisis, but it's not actually going to be Crisis. Oh, the first Far Cry. Yeah. Which was Far Cry, same world, but like bits in a different order. Yeah. Very rejig. Much thinner path as well, yeah. with a thinner route. So yeah, I can just imagine along. them doing that. I could fully see it, and I've no, no, reason, no reason that wouldn't be a good game, except to say that the, la- the last few stages of Crisis are rubbish, very much they? that, very much like just follow the line, and they're all awful. That's not their strong point. Their strong, their strong suit is giving you huge worlds to play in and giving you lots of things to do in it and making everything look incredibly beautiful. I mean, they've sort of signalled their intent to uh, to make console games, not just with this, but obviously with the buying of free rail parts, free radical anyway. So, I mean, they're, they're obviously intent on doing it. You know, like you say, what, what, quite what format it comes in, we don't know. But, I mean, Far Cry showed that, Far Cry 2 showed that um, you can, you know, I mean, because you you guys absolutely love it, Far Cry Two on on three sixty. Yeah. I mean, I think you played it on PC, didn't you? Or did I you played play? on P- on both PC and three sixty. I played on three sixty. I've still not quite finished it yet, actually. But it's so, a good you know, really game, good game of the year. So you know, it's it is possible. But um, I think we've gone over it before on the podcast. This game with love got dozens of problems, but man, what a great game! Mm. It's just the world's so good, and everything's so credible. Um, so other stuff at GDC, um, we saw a bit of Mass Effect footage. Yeah, on your shaky cam. Not loads, and it was a bit um, the quality of it. The yeah, quality of the footage. You can, you can see they've made great. some changes to the combat system. I think, which is a good thing. But what makes me, what what really uh, you know, makes me happy about, I'm, I'm struggling for words. I'm afraid. Um, the best thing I think about the footage we saw of Mass Effect Two at GDC, which is essentially you know the old the the, the main character running, which wasn't Shepard, or at least it was a weird version of Shepard. Mm. I mean, you can you can define them to whatever yeah, you want. Yeah. Running around in a bunch of white boxes, you know, shooting at bad guys. The thing, the best thing about it is that the the lecture they gave was iterative level design in Mass Effect Two, which I'm hoping suggests they've learned a lot from level design in the first Mass Effect. Because the big problem with the combat system wasn't that it was bad; it was actually a very good system they built. It was that the levels you were running around in just didn't complement yeah, the, yeah. the, the the system. So you know, you'd be taking cover, but you'd be up against bad guys who just run at you. Yeah. And then when so you know by the time you get you get a few shots and they've run around the box and they're on they're right next to you now. Yeah. It wasn't they weren't they weren't fun to fight and the uh, the, the 
the little combat zones you were given to fight in weren't fun to fight in. So hopefully, you know, they're, they're, they're picking up where the last one left off, story-wise, but really moving forward with that combat, you know, looking to games like Gears, games like Grawl, yeah. getting it right. And one of the one of the obviously biggest trailer to kind of pop up was was probably um, Modern Warfare Two minus mm-hmm. Call of Duty name. Um, there's a t- absolute ton of I want to call them secrets, but there's a kind of ton of <coughs> Easter eggs in the trailer if you look closely. Yeah. Many of which we'll be looking at in the next issue. But um, we were talking about in the office this morning a little bit about the decision to kind of drop the Call of Duty name. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a big one, obviously, given that Infinity Ward are the ones who came up with it. In the yeah. Call of Duty, and the Call of Duty brand is so strong. It is. I mean, Mike, you had a sort of My theory is... Theory. Yeah, I'm not sure how accurate it is, and it is just a theory, but I think it's a reasonable one, and our readers are welcome to take it on board as their own if they like. I don't know, it's like, you know, this wasn't something you'll find in between the pages of the magazine, very likely. It's just something that's... Until we actually can speak to Infinity yeah, War. Yeah, we've just been kicking it around in the office, basically. Yeah, it's basically, I think they are just pissed off with how Activision have run the Call of Duty name mm. into the ground. By giving it to Treyarch, who have done, let's face it, I mean, World at War was a good game, but it, it wasn't called 4, you know. Uh, Call of Duty 3, flat out, wasn't a good game. I think they're just tired of the way the Call of Duty brand has been used and abused, so... They've just taken. They just made their own brand, mm. so they can continue exactly where they left off with a brand which is at least halfway established in gamers' eyes, and it's you know it's their own brand again, one which I'm, I'm going to presume they're they're going to control rather mm. than selling onto Activision for Activision to bandy around however they please. Yeah, I, mean, it's not, I think it's just a straight up ego thing. I, I, think don't, they, I don't think that's far fetched at all. I mean, if you remember back last year, I can't remember the name of the guy now, the community yeah. guy for Call of Duty Four, Robert came Bo, out. Bo, bowling, 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 or yeah. bowling, bowling. He he came out. He had a massive rant at uh, Activision's producer. Yeah, it was producer from Activision. Um, basically saying who oh, was speaking I, of the two cods in the same yeah, breath he was, yeah. he, was uh, he made some reference about bot action rifles a one hit kill unlike previous Call of Duties in Call of Duty 5 there'll be a one hit kill weapon and he absolutely went off on one saying oh if I get one more Call of Duty 4 like pop up in my in my mail it turns out to be Call of Duty 5 that you've just referenced our game to compare the two you know I'm going to go absolutely nuts because he was so sick of them referring back to Call of Duty 4 when yeah. talk about Call of Duty and 5 it's, and it's like and, and, and a couple of times in that blog he um, he commented you know don't use our game as an example of your game it was very much a us, us and, and you yeah, very you know, much it's us like we are two camps making a game that happens to share the same name and the community manager wouldn't, would probably wouldn't have the balls to come out and be saying that if he wasn't speaking on you know on something that is very much cons- like considered gospel, Infinity gospel Wars, within yeah. the studio Dance, yeah. 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 yeah but Obviously, it was something which kind of got withdrawn later. It wasn't something he stuck by. It wasn't something which they made a big fuss about. Uh, and they downplayed as much as possible. But I think that's very much... I think it's just a big ego thing. I think they created this brand and it's gradually been exploited. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't release a game called Call of Duty 6. You just no. can't. And when you get to the number 6 on the game, it's getting a bit embarrassing, you know? Mm. So they weren't ever going to do that. We always thought Call of Duty Modern Combat 2, but to drop the Call of Duty name really suggests a total... Uh, you know, lack of faith in that brand now mm. from the studio which created it. Yeah, I mean, the flip side of that is it's a, a commercially, it's a very sort of brave decision. I mean, I think Modern Warfare Two will sell absolute bucket loads. Mm. Still, I think it speaks to the power of Infinity Ward and they can yeah. make that call. Yeah. That they can say to Activision, "No, we're not having the name Call of Duty on our game." There are certain developers. I think they've obviously sold 12, 12 million copies. I think of COD Four now. Mm. 
So they're in a massively a powerful position. And I think they're one of those developers who, although they work within the the sort of, uh, they're under the umbrella of a publishing house, they, they, they kind of are one of those developers who can kind of call the shots, like a sort of Bungie kind of thing, you know, or Bungie. Valve. Or Valve, you know, Bungie, Bungie. Well, Valve are more, a little yeah, bit kind of more removed because EA and literally... And also they have Steam, which makes them just make the most powerful presence on the PC. Yeah, and also, you know, EA literally literally the only the only thing they do because i mean when we get to valve games valve games crop up ea do n zero pr Same for perhaps more like sure. rockstar and take two then yeah i mean when when i mean rockstar will handle their own games take yeah. two have just nothing to do and with i think it. infinity ward aren't quite like that because activision still handle their marketing and their pr and all that sort of stuff but um because we, we don't get infinity ward reps coming down and showing us the game but they they have obviously moved themselves into such a powerful position now, and I think you're right. I think the fact that this guy came out last year and absolutely tore a strip off this this Activision guy, and there was no real fallout from it on Affinity Ward or Activision side, and this guy still got his job a year later. I think uh, you know speaks speak. I think you're right. It speaks volumes to the fact that Infinity Ward are very much their own animal, and they've proved that now because they've dropped the Call of Duty, and I think commercially. It's a very, very brave decision. I think the the Call of Duty kind of banner is a very powerful one, though. You know, perhaps one of the biggest brand names, gaming brand names in the world. Well, now, Treyarch you know? will take it on as their own. I think it will suffer. I think a lot of people won't care, but I think some gamers will acknowledge the fact that Call of Duty is now Treyarch's beast. Yeah. And that it's very much an inferior series and to Infinity War and Modern, Modern, Modern Warfare. And it, it would be really interesting to see what... Um, I know we're talking a long way down because like, we still haven't really seen anything of Modern Combat 2. Modern Warfare 2. Sorry, Modern Warfare 2, but it's going to be really telling to see what Treyarch do if they stick with World War 2. Because make no mistake, they are working on the next Call of Duty. Yeah, mm. of course they are. So are they get the, surely they can't do another Modern Warfare. I think that, may, that must be what it is now. It's like cause Call of Duty is the World War 2 yeah. brand and this one's Modern Warfare. It's just a shame Modern Warfare is such an awful mouthful of a... A name. I mean, I'm, I, I can't imagine that when COD 4 came out, they they thought Modern Warfare, the, the subtitle, would be you know the name of their next game, Fly, because mm -hmm. I'm sure they would have come up with something a little better than Modern Warfare. Yeah, well, because, I mean, the Call of Duty Modern Warfare basically explains exactly what it is. It's mm. Call of Duty, but with Modern Warfare, you yeah. know, and then you're right, they didn't think about it in terms of sexy brand names. But just Modern Warfare sounds like... It's very much like a... Um, it's a description, you know? It's mm. like It's like... You know, death game. Yeah. Or God, yeah, just say anything. You know, fa fast cars. Yeah. You wouldn't release a you wouldn't release a game called that. You'd come up with a better name. Yeah. I think they they're getting stuck with that modern combat, modern warfare name. So I keep on wanting to say modern combat because that rolls off the tongue. Yeah, I keep so, saying that. Rolls off the tongue so much nicer. And of mm. course, EA have got that for um for Battlefield. Yeah. Uh jeez, I don't know. It's it was not going to affect the quality of the game. So who cares? Yeah. No, the game would still be amazing. Yeah. Um. I don't know how much we're allowed to talk about it, Mike, but you can talk about it a little bit, I think. You went to see Battlefield uh, Bad Company 2 I'm, this I month. I think I'm allowed to say everything by the time this podcast going up, I think. It's but up I'm, on Friday, so maybe not. Yeah. No, well, well our issue's not on sale yet. I, so. think, no, I think the embargo expires literally tomorrow our time. I don't know. I don't know, so I'm not going to I'm not going to risk it. I know it's um, we're okay for it in the issue. Yeah. But yeah, I went to see... Um, I went to see Battlefield Bad Company 2 over in Stockholm. 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 Speaking of which, I forgot we forgot to bring the sweets. Oh, we did. 
We, well, we ate quite a few. We of them. ate quite a lot of the Swedish, uh, yeah, Swedish sweets. There was one straight. The first one you got brought back, you know, that you opened up was strong. It was nice. Yeah, it was seriously, yeah. it was just like um, the Cadbury's with the Rice Krispies in. Yeah. What was that called? I don't know what it was called. It was red, and it had a picture of quite offensively a Chinese person on it. Yeah. Because it's got rice in. St- stereotypical. Racial, borderline racist uh, Chinaman on <laughs> yeah. the front. Yeah. But the only reason I bought it was because it was red, black, and yellow, the packaging. And whenever you have black on any packaging for sweets... Usually bad. It's apart us- from Mars. It's usually... Yeah, apart from Mars, it's usually a bad sign. Yeah. I mean, we can all agree with this. Because yeah. norm- the thing about the Europeans is they have a real hard-on for nougat or nougat and... Licorice. I like licorice before you badmouth it. I hate licorice as well. I can't bear it. And what they'll do is these crazy funsters will wrap it in chocolate. I think that's an acceptable sweet. Yeah. So naturally, I looked around for everything which looked awful. And I found something called Plop. Yeah. Which we enjoyed because I like funny words. Yeah. Uh, Plop, we got... um, Was that uh, the one with the licorice in? No, Plop was caramel. caramel And and that's the thing. There's two types of Plop. Plop, There's Plop and Plop Dark. Okay. And Plop Dark is still milk chocolate, but it's got licorice goo in. That wasn't nice. Even though I like licorice, that was not nice. Hoodie, n- hoodie nommed it down yeah, like it was manna. Art boy Hoodie loved it. He loved a bit of it. And the, other one, the other one was like Kryptonite or whatever it was. Oh, Kryptonite, yeah. That the was, salt, sorry. He yeah, we, we've yet to find anything as awful as Kryptonite. I think the problem with Hoodie is that he's so old now that uh, his taste buds <laughs> are gone. He's frazzled by cider. Is yeah. he like that old guy in, uh, in Family Guy? I don't watch Family no, Guy. I don't watch Family Guy either. Oh. How's that? And that joke, that joke's just. Listeners will know who I mean. There's nothing funnier than when someone references a joke, and what Matt didn't do was describe the joke, which is a, which is a good move. Uh, yeah. References a joke, and then there's no one here to be like, oh yeah, that was funny. That was funny. It's not. A good, it's not a good expression. <laughs> um, so yeah, come back with loads of sweets. Came back with um, oh there was one called Pigol. That was all right. It's got nougat in. It's basically, we're all licorice or nougat or caramel. Yeah. Caramel ones were okay. I wouldn't say the Sweden's strong for sweets, though. No. Really Apart from that one, the one with the yeah, rice, which was, was really good. I mean, yeah. I think it was better than the, Car- the Cadbury's equivalent. Yeah. That was really good because it's real soft chocolate, you know, really melted. Very nice. nice. Yeah. yeah, very nice. Approved of that. Yeah. Um, God, I'll tell you what, if you, if, you, if you fancy being cold, Sweden's, Sweden's, got, go. Sweden's got your number. Yeah. Yeah. That is strong for cold. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you the coldest I've ever been is when we went, to, me and Mrs. Weaver went to Toronto one year in November. Oh man, I've never felt cold like it. I, we, we, the first evening we got there, we went to a hotel and then we came, because we, I'm one of these people who was like, let's go exploring. I love like exploring. Yeah, I do that, yeah. I do the same. So she was like, yeah, all right. So we go outside and, and I bought these, these um, they were sort of combat sort of trousers but they had a, a sort of like a, a fur lining in them I bought them very and, snug yeah literally cut right through them it was like I wasn't wearing any trousers <laughs> it was so freezing I had about five lay- layers on it was the what's, wind what, what was the temperature it was it was it was minus two I think but it had like minus and ten that, wheelchair, wind, wind the, that was factor. the thing with Stockholm it was minus one but the wind coming off the water because I mean it's just you know, Stockholm is just surrounded by yeah. water the wind coming off the water was like being sliced into with a razor. That's what it's like in Toronto because it's right on Lake Ontario. So it's like on a massive lake, the, one of the biggest lakes in, in you know. It was, oh man. So I, I appreciate in, what you're saying about cold. I was in New York one time with my friends and I swear, and I, was, I know I was drunk, but I swear I saw this on TV 
where we, it, was, it was like, bear in mind, because bars were open all night and we were drinking like Brits, we just drank all the way through the night, six o'clock in the morning, got breakfast, rolled back to the hotel. And on the breakfast news, there's a woman in Central Park. That's a curious thing about New York, actually, is that whenever they report the news, it's always about, it's always that city. Mm. So someone's just like, you know, reporting a couple of, you know, a couple yeah. hundred feet up the road, wherever you are in New York. So woman was on the TV and they're like, oh yeah, it's like, you know, it's minus seven at the moment with a wind chill of whatever. And look at this, she had like a jug of water and she tossed it up in the air like woof and it, it didn't come down, it came out of snow. I swear I saw that. I swear oh, I'm I saw that. I'm not having that. That's so, that's so, that's <laughs> and then a seagull called my name. <laughs> that's right, yeah. <laughs> no, look, it wasn't the jug, it was like a glass or whatever. It went shoot up in the air and it just, it just instantly froze. And it that came sounds down like some as... of that BS. <laughs> it came down as gold. <laughs> look okay look I was drunk at the time and if anyone can back me up and find that shit on YouTube go ahead and why I'll did r- it freeze in the glass yeah I don't know. the glass turned to snow <laughs> oh shut that up well, that well known scientific um, <laughs> process <laughs> and then pixies came down <laughs> and, they, right. and they ate the glass and it turned to marshmallows and then the leprechaun from the Lucky Charms <laughs> advert came along Anyway, yeah, all, all right, I did in the sea is, is the prop guy above. All right, with the joke's <laughs> over now. The joke's done. We're, fin- we're finished with the joke. Ha ha, Mike was drunk. Okay. Bad company too there, Mike. Um, I can't tell you anything about the game. No. Excellent. So I'm just telling you about Stockholm because I'm just trying to avoid the question. Yeah, I think it's fair to say that um, the, the information security was fairly... Uh... And dice are a pain in the ass at the best of times. Mm. Like, notoriously so. You go up to them and say, Hey, guys, what's your game about? Can't tell you that. It's out tomorrow. Can't tell you that. Yeah. They are a mystery man. I mean, they are absolutely mystery man. When Edge did the first preview on Mirror's Edge, it was kind of like, yeah, it's a game about running and it's in first person. You can tell us any more than that? Nope. And, you know, they've got this wall of silence surrounding everything they do. Mm. So you have to sort of, you know, really... Circumvent it. Really work your way around it, which we were able to do. Mm. But, man alive, they were hard work. Make no mistake. I I can, however, tell people about Battlefield 1943. Yes. Which is a really, really good game. And everyone's going to be saying, we're PC gamers anyway, and I'm a PC gamer. They'll all be saying, I'm just not a total dick about it. um, They'll all be saying, like, oh, you know, it's been consolified, it's been Xboxified, because it's got regenerating health and regenerating ammo, which I'm not sure how I feel about, to be honest. But, um, yeah, it's... The thing with the problem with Battlefield was always that the actual on-foot combat was garbage. Like we, and in Battlefield 1942 in particular, it was essentially a game about planes. If you weren't in a plane, you're getting your ass ripped up. I mean, it's, you're getting taken apart. It was just, it was a hard game. So with this one, the on-foot combat's a lot better, and they've changed the map, so you've dug trenches through the map, so you've got a lot more cover, a lot more things to hide behind. Also, you, know, you can destroy scenery, you can, and then certain, apart from the most hardened bunkers, you can't take those apart at all. Uh, what else can I tell people? Oh yeah, the colour's been desaturated somewhat since we last saw it, so a lot of people were really worried about how bright it was. I'm not sure why that's something to be worried about, yeah. but a lot of people thought it was worth anything. It's, you're still very much in a tropical location, but they've sort of desaturated it a little bit. So it doesn't look quite as, you know, blown out as before. Mm. Um, the, they've, they've, they're still sticking with like the idea of no griefing zone, so at the spawns, if you kill someone who's at a spawn, you don't get any points for it. What they didn't address, though, and I was assuming they couldn't answer when I questioned them, was, yeah, but, you know, there's still an advantage to killing people as they spawn because then they can't actually get into the battle. Mm. You just don't get any points for it. 
They're like, yeah, well, and it's just one of those things where dice go off and talk about something else when you ask them a question like that. So the anti-griefing sense, I'm not sure if they really work. But it's got three of the strongest maps from Battlefield 1942. It's got decent on-foot combat for the first time. I mean, it's got three classes, which a lot of people will say, again, is a sign of it being Xboxified and simplified. It's it's really not that. It's, I mean, yeah, it does make it more simple, definitely. And it does make it easier to get into. And I think that's more what they're trying to do, just make it easier to mm-hmm. get into. They're not trying to say, look, console gamers, they're not very bright, so let's make it dumb. They're not doing that. They're keeping... They're keeping the you know the fun game there, and they're just removing the barriers between you and the fun game. So as with every character, you've got more choices. You never get into a situation with any character where you're like, oh man, if, if only I were playing as this guy, mm. I could stop this tank, or I, you know, if only I was this, if I were this guy, I could get through this really tough section. You'll never be in that situation. You'll always be like, well, you know, I've got all the tools I need. It's just about how I use them. It's like maybe I'm the rifleman. Well, in that case, I've got to keep my distance. I'm not. You know, I haven't got the tools to get up close and fight, so I've got to be over here. If I, maybe you'll be the scout and you'll be like, well, you know, I haven't got, I haven't got the demolition power of the infantryman, but I have got you know, these, this C4, so if I can get close to that tank, stick it on the tank, I can blow him up. Mm. Maybe you're the infantryman, who's just a guy who just is blowing his way through walls and you know, going to just totally smash mountain in your face all the way. And whatever character you play, you're going to have options, which wasn't always the case in the previous games. Loads of vehicles, and of course they kept the um, the number of of uh, people on the battlefield down as well now. It's not, you know, it's not 64. And again, they said, you know, we can easily do 64, but we do, we think that 24 is the right number. Yeah. We think, you know, you have 12 people on each side, that's three squads on each side. So you can have three groups working independently towards three different objectives. So you really, you get, you get a decent battlefield experience then. And most importantly, you, you never, you never feel like you're sort of lost in a sea of people all doing their own thing, which mm-hmm. is, it was in the game, one of the old problems with battlefield. I think it's a great game. But what worries me is they really don't know what to do with the price. And yeah. then normally you'll say, well, you know, what, how much are you going to be charging for this? And they'll say, oh, you know, they'll, they'll, actually, everyone's always reticent to say what they'll charge for it because they're always afraid of it being taken negatively. Mm. But what you'll say to these guys is, you know, what are you charging for it? And they'll say, we're not sure yet. And it's not an avoidance thing. It really is a we really don't know. I think what they're torn between is selling it for cheap and hoping they manage to break into the mass market with this simplified, easy-to-access battlefield, or selling it for expensive and just count on the old, usual, hardcore audience to pick up the game like they know they will. And I don't think they know what game they've got there. and no. That kind of worries me at this point. What they should have done is they should have... I mean, it's easy to say this, not having worked on the game, but what they should have done is tried to get it out earlier in the year, because earlier in the year there was literally nothing around. I mean, there's no games to play. Um, live was very very quiet, you know, in terms of in terms of releases. I mean, we talked about it last couple of months in in the issue. You know, I've sort of turned around to you, Mike, and said, you know, what's going in live our community section this month? And he said, do you know what? I'm not quite sure because uh, you know because it's very very quiet. And I need yeah, to search it's around. very hard to get release lists off of Microsoft. As <laughs> yeah, well. so you know, if they'd released it earlier, we may have seen a sort of lost planet kind of effect. You know where. Because people were searching for stuff to play, but of course, the longer they wait, the more more difficult it becomes. Because the longer they wait, the more games are coming well, out. They're hoping to release in May, June, lives. July. You know, they're hoping to get out then, so it might still hit yeah. the zone when it's when the world's yeah. kind of quiet. You know, Call of Duty's been announced. Mm-hmm. What for, the first for one? Life, yeah, yeah, for life. Okay. And so it's Wolf, Wolfenstein. Wolfenstein. And there's a load of also over the, the little break. There's a load of leaked shots from Wolfenstein, uh, the new one. 
Yeah. And then leaked shots from the multiplayer mode, what we believe to be leaked shots. Activision refused to comment, no matter how much we ask. But, man, alive, they don't look good, do they? I'm not, yeah. I mean, Wolfenstein, Wolfenstein doesn't look particularly... I haven't seen it in action yet. Um, other than in uh, other than a few videos, so I haven't seen it firsthand. But what I've read about it does does sort of concern me, and what people have told us from based on what they've seen of it, it sounds defiantly old school, to the point where it's really, really kind of like playing a retro game. I'm trying to think of an example that I read, but I mean, I think it's just it's just stuff like you know, like the general sort of. The general sort of layout, levels and the kind of weaponry and you know the your objectives and that kind of thing is very sort of like shooters were like five years ago, mm-hmm. and um, I don't know whether they've deliberately gone that angle to kind of you know because Wolfenstein is a is kind of like a retro experience really because the everything about it is pure ridiculousness and mm-hmm. back in the day Robo Hitler yeah exactly Robo Hitler and all that sort of stuff and whether they've tried to recapture the kind of spirit of the the you know the first games I don't know but uh, but yeah I can't say that I've been particularly blown away by what I've seen so far. Um, who knows? Who knows what it's going to turn out like? And I think that you know developers Raven as a developer have not been amazing on console so far. You know, and I think maybe we'll we'll have to see because if if Id were doing it, at least you'd know then you were getting a definitive kind of technical. Showcase, yeah. you know. Whereas with um, with Wolfen- Wolfenstein, I'm not even sure we're getting that, you know. So, I guess we'll wait and see. Matt, what have you got to add to that? Looks rubbish. Excellent. <laughs> we got some questions then. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about games a lot, haven't we? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We have. more than usual, actually. Yeah, so. yeah. We haven't really gone off on one. Um, Mike, you we asked off on one for a second. Mike, you saw Knowing on the weekend. Yeah. I, it's hard to talk about without spoiling it. Yeah, I don't really want it spoiled because I probably will watch it. But okay, uh, well, there's this point as I explained to you this morning about two thirds of the way through the film, where the film invites you to take a leap of logic with it. It just reaches out and says, you know, take my hand, Mike. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take you on this this little adventure. Magical and journey. It's magical it's journey, and it's, it's, it's not necessarily what you expect the magical journey to be, but it is nonetheless a journey. And uh, I took the hand. So all I had to show me, I was like, I'm not sure I like that. So I let, go, I let that hand go just before the film finished. Yeah. Uh, and anyone who's seen the film will know what I'm talking about. There is massive logical consistent inconsistencies about the ending. Massive, massive logical inconsistencies, which I wasn't prepared, prepared to suspend my disbelief for. Right. It's not a twist ending, because a twist would suggest that there was some kind of setup some kind of clue which you would you know you should have noticed yeah which like would in then, sixth sense you, yeah you know yeah. you could spot that yeah. yeah you could see it coming if you were paying attention incidentally the sixth sense and nobody believes me when I tell this story but this one's true not like the snow story earlier on this one actually is true me and a friend of mine were so we taking a drive to work this was back when I worked at the cinema he was like well, what trailers have you seen lately I was like oh shit I've seen sixth sense and he was like oh yeah I saw that trailer He's like, I oh, hear there's a massive twist at the end. I've been avoiding all these American reviews online because I hear there's a big twist and I want to be given away. I was like, I wonder what a twist could be. I bet he's a ghost from the trailer, boys. 
in the trailer. That's why I got it. I gotta no, say, I, I gotta say, I didn't see it coming at all. I did, but I knew there was a twist. Someone said, "Oh, there's a twist." And that was the thing. I would, if I hadn't been looking for it, I wouldn't have thought. Yeah, it. but if if you know that there's a twist, I think as soon as you start watching, it's like bang, he's dead. Well, in um, Knowing, which is directed by Alex Proyas, so who I love. I mean, did, did Dark City, did The Crow, two great films. Did I Robot? Not so great, but still, Dark City is a strong. Dark City is strong, strong. It's got a lot in terms of presentation in common with Dark City. Cool. Um, like there are. You know, the strangers in Dark City? The way yeah. he handles them is the way he handles a character. I think in. Dark City is very underrated. Um, I wouldn't say it's quite out there with The Matrix, but it's not It's one of the best behind. sci-fi films of the 90s, I reckon, along with Strange Days, for sure. Uh, great flick. Um, great. This, Strange Days is good, yeah. This one, the, dis- the um, disasters are incredible. I mean, there are several... I mean, the film is essentially about... This, you know, anyone who's read a re- uh, review will know. It's about this little girl predicts a bunch of disasters... In the future, Nicolas Cage finds her predictions 50 years afterwards, realises that she's got all these, all these things that are like happening, and he's going to try not to stop them, but he ends up being there when you know he tries to stop them, but it's just like... It's, it's not a new Nostradamus. Yeah, kind of, except it's really not, and that's, right. where, that's, <laughs> that's the leap that it invites you to take later in the film. And trust me, it's a funny one. It's, it's one you're going to... she cause them all? No, nah, it's nothing yeah. like that. <laughs> it, like, if it were... You'd be like, oh, okay. Like she was like, 50 years later, acting out what she was telling everyone. She was yeah, that do. would be a great twist. That would have been a really good twist ending. No. I should have written it. <laughs> no. Uh, let me tell you something. The, the first disaster is spectacular. I mean, truly one of the most spectacular pieces of special effects I've seen, ever seen. It's an amazing piece of you know, CGI and live action all mixed together. Second uh, um, disaster, strongly brutal. Strongly <laughs> That's a good recommendation. Strongly violent, I would say. It's, it, it's, there's, some, there's some good squishing going on. And the third disaster is brave. You don't often see a disaster like that in a movie. And I'll leave it at that. Yeah. But um, the actual get into that, that third one is... Woo! Like you, you are you are along for the ride. You you are really like it's yeah. You're you're popping pills for that one. Yeah. And I just wasn't. I, I my logical brain was in charge at that point, and I was like, but what, what if? He, they, why did they do? Wasn't it an easier yeah. way to communicate that? And it was just like, no, wasn't. I didn't, I didn't like it. But really, really well shot film. Mm. It's, it's it's really shot like a Shyamalan movie. It's very quiet. But man, alive is overscored. Like so, whenever there's a moment of high action, it's just like, like and it's like it's so much music, and it goes from periods of total silence to like the, the old trumpets yeah. on the go. I remember once going to the cinema. I can't remember what it was at the time, but it was quite a quiet film. All right, a bit of talking and stuff, and all we could hear throughout the entire film was triple X in the next screen. Oh. <laughs> all the time, like. Bang, 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 and Vin, is, a, is it Vin Diesel? Yeah, uh, yeah Vin yeah, Diesel. Yeah, Triple H. Just yeah. screaming and oh, talk about off-putting. I was. Um, I know you guys don't watch it. I was watching the second season of Damages last night, which for anyone who doesn't know is a TV series. Uh, Glenn Close stars in it, and stars as like this real bitch of a lawyer, basically who. Uh, who in the first season goes after Ted Danson, who's like this C- dodgy CEO, dodgy CEO of a company. Um, the second season is um, absolutely amazing. It's got an amazing cast. It's got like William Hurt, uh, Timothy Oliphant. It's got half the people from The Wire and Deadwood in it. It's got an amazing cast. Anyway, it's it's got this bit. It just reminded me of it. Then last night we were watching episode four and uh, or episode two might have been actually. 
old Oliphant, uh, he's in his uh, he's in his um, bedroom, and it's all he's like pinning this. Um, it just won't spoil anything for anyone. He's pinning these uh, uh, newspaper tacking uh, clippings up on the wall, and it's obviously it's the camera sort of slowly backs out, and you're obviously all right. He's some sort of obsessive kind of guy, and then he opens the cupboard, and it's full of guns. And the the the, the show is kind of like um, quite sort of it's got music in it, but it's again it's like that you were saying quite, quite underplayed. Yeah. But as soon as he opens the, the the door, and these guns, it's like. Dun, 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 dun. Like really like rams home this preposterous music that they've never used in the entire series. Like it's real heavy metal kind of music. I was just, it was just made me think of it then. It was very sort of totally out of place. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of that in uh in in knowing. Yeah, a yeah. lot of that. There'll be parts where old Nicholas Cage is like running through a forest with a torch music's going <laughs> you're like Jesus you're like you're leaning back in your seat because your hair is being blown <laughs> yeah, back by yeah. the Dolby surround I've yeah. not seen anything strong to, to add to this all I've done is watch Babylon 5 all weekend oh, Babylon no, 5 back in when I first started the cinema literally my, when I was having my induction and I had to watch a strong video in that induction uh, all about upselling and stuff like that because right. when you work because I was set up to work on the stand which is a uh, concession stand anyone who works in the cinema will know and uh, I managed to fake an allergy to corn to get <laughs> to a corn. I'm not even sure if it exists. All right. But I faked an allergy to corn to get off the and uh, nuts to get off the stand, <laughs> and um, and became an usher. But anyway, so I watched the uh, induction trailer. But all I could hear through the induction trailer because of the room we were in was um, was the sound of Greece because he did that twentieth and twenty fifth anniversary re-release of Greece. So all I could hear was you better shake up, ooh ooh ooh, because I need. <laughs> and on meanwhile, I'm watching this this woman on stage. Good morning, sir. Would you like some uh, some ice cream with that? Oh. And it's better shake up, because I need a man. I'll just add one more story to that. When uh, sh- sh- my, my wife and I went to South because my wife's South African, we went to see her parents and stuff. We went out with her brother and her, my, uh, sis- her sister-in-law to watch uh, Casino Royale. And bearing in mind this is the Southern Hemisphere, this is Africa, they get massive, massive thunderstorms. And uh, we were watching Casino Royale about, about half an hour in. It was like... And then on the roof, it was like it was. I thought it was the like end of days or something. You know, it was like it was like the whole of the African sky empty, and all you could hear was the rain. You couldn't hear anything on the screen, so we we might have well just watched like lip reading it. You couldn't hear any of the. Did you finish the movie off? Yeah, we stayed there until the end. Fortunately, it wasn't too bad because the bit it was a kind of couple of action bits, so you could. Um, but the rainstorm lasted about ten minutes, and we were all just looking at each other, thinking. You know, if it was like the usual suspects or something, you would have been screwed, you know. But um, I got the impression from what you were saying earlier on that you're not a fan of uh, Dark City, Tim. Um, I think it's all right, yeah. Yeah, I just... I, I don't know. Yeah, it's Sutherland, Hurt. Richard O'Brien. O'Brien. Richard Connolly. the Crystal Maze Connolly. O'Brien. Um, God, what's her name from Home and Away? The chick from Home and Away. The, um, she was in an episode of Friends as well. Oh, uh, Mr. Yeah. George. Yeah. Again, Mr. George. Because Prius is Australian, so he casts a lot of Aussie actors yeah. and stuff. God, that's a good film. Come on, then. Some questions. Yeah. Right, we've got a few to get through. Uh, Randy Tandy wants to know um, Do you think the rock band slash Guitar Hero games are running out of speed since all the obvious bands are catered for now? Go on, um, then, Yeah, very much so. I think uh, I've actually bounced uh, some questions over to those guys um, just to get their thoughts on it. But, I mean, my concern is they've had. There's been what? Guitar Hero, Guitar Hero 2, Guitar Hero 3, Guitar Hero 80s, Guitar Hero Aerosmith, Metallica, 
They'll be working on Van Halen. There's been World Tour. There's been Rock Band. There's been Rock Band Two. Already, we've seen a lot. And they're of, doing the Beatles a separate game. <clears throat> they're doing the Beatles. Um, they're doing Guitar Hero Greatest Hits. They're doing Rock Band Classic Rock Track Pack. We've already seen um, crossover songs appear from between Rock Revolution, uh, Rock Band, and Guitar Hero. You know, their pool of songs, ideal songs for those games, must be running fairly... I mean, I know there are a lot of songs out there, but Just classic songs, they're getting getting through them at but quite none, a pace. none of us see a reason. I mean, we, we understand why they do it, but none of us as consumers see a good reason to make these things separate discs anyway. No. Just release a game every year which adds a few new features yeah. and so on, and make it support all the tunes you've downloaded beforehand. Like Rock Band does. Yeah. Rock Band does. And, then, and you don't need, like, oh, you know, Guitar Hero, friggin' Eddie Van Stobart. The only thing <laughs> that can be said is, like, the, the way Rock Band and Guitar Hero do it two different ways, Rock Band releases, release track packs. There's been ACDC, which was dreadful. Um, track Pack 1, which I don't think came out in Europe, but the Classic Rock's coming out over here. There's been Track Pack 2 as well, and they're... Um, there are ways for them to, to sell these extra songs to people who don't have the internet mm. or just don't have the means to download content, which is kind of fair enough, you know, if people don't have hard drives or whatever. You know, I can kind of understand it, but the thing is they're not pricing it as DLC. They're like 30 quid for 18 songs. Mm -hmm. It's a bit rubbish, really. It's a bit much. So, um, so that's the way they do it. And then Guitar Hero, they take a different stance. They try and have games constructed around Which certain bands like Aerosmith bands, yeah. and Metallica. And to be fair, they do do a, a good job. Um, like their fan service in those games, especially with Metallica, is second to none. However, I just don't think it's that interesting to play the entire game, even though I, I quite like Aerosmith. I just found that game incredibly tiresome to play. Just like Aerosmith, Aerosmith, Aerosmith. Here's another band that I'm not really that interested in. Did I tell you this morning? I f sorry, I can't remember your name. Uh, I promise that I will email you back, though. I got an email from a, uh, a reader this morning saying that uh, saying that he'd listened to the podcast and read the mag and uh, and realised I was a massive Aha fan and that uh, Aha tickets are on sale for November when they tour. Are you going to get them? I might do. I saw them last time they were touring. Were you up at the front? I was up there, yeah, yeah, screaming for Morton. Throwing your pants at them. Screaming for Morton. Kiss me, Morton. <laughs> but, uh, no, yeah, so, uh, yeah, thanks for the email. Sorry, mystery man. I can't remember what your name is, but I promise I'll email you back. While we're on that subject, the Michael Jackson ticket lottery is an outrage. Yeah. That, that is a concert you should be able to buy tickets to. Richest come, richest served. Mm. I want to go in there with a big wad of cash, and I want ten tickets so me and all my friends can go. I don't want to have to enter some ridiculous lottery mm. to get some tickets to see the King of, Pop King of Pop on his farewell concert, which probably won't be his farewell concert, but whatever. It's like the first chance in ages to see Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson, yeah. You know, he's, he he's, he's, he's got over all of the, you know, the, the, the pedo stuff. <laughs> yeah. He's got over all that stuff now. He's back, ready to be the king of pop, ready to rule the world one last time. <laughs> and I don't get to see it because I had to win a stupid lottery to get tickets. Yeah, the, we were talking about this last week, Mike. You know, the thing is, he might be a husk. His nose might be falling off. <laughs> he might not have some sort of skin, really bad skin complaint that he, even oil of ule can solve. But... He is the king of pop, and he has written some of the greatest songs. Exactly, so he's, and he's one of the greatest performers of all time as well. Yeah. We need tickets to see Michael Jackson. Anyone, any readers want to hook us up? We will buy those tickets. We will go and see Michael Jackson. We will have a good old time. Yeah. But as it, as it happens, we weren't able to because t ticket lottery. I wanted to go there with my entire paycheck that month and say, no problem, hook me up with 10 tickets. I can't yeah. imagine it being good. I'm sorry. What? I know it's controversial, but it's like, it's like old Jack Black in uh, High Fidelity say, you know, is it better to... 
fade away, you know, burn out or just go out with a bang. I can't imagine. This is Michael Jackson going out with a bang. This is it. No, no, he's already gone out with a bang. He and hasn't then gone out with a bang. He hasn't had a... He hasn't had no, a... but that, he, he's had his day. He's going to go up there. He's going to be like Elvis in his dying days. And he was just a mess on stage. And that's what Jack... Elvis was a legend, even at the end. And he, uh, when he did... Even no, fat, at the end, he, he was even, like stumbling about the stage. <laughs> even fat Elvis was a ledge. <laughs> the old 68 special. Yeah. That's a strong performance yeah, by anyone. And this could be Jacko's 68 special, yeah. you know? Yeah, it'll I be. don't know. I, I I just think it's going to be. Uh, do you know what shambolic. it starts? Do you know what it starts with? His concert at the O2. It starts with the four minute Billy Jean. The intro from Billy Jean. Ding 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 ding. ding, 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 ding oh, for, for four, four minutes. minutes. That's well, a good intro. And it, all the sort of set sets, uh, all the set kind of sets up. Yeah. And uh, presumably some dry ice comes. Just so starts building up. Doom, doom. Yeah. And then then Jackson comes out. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it'd be cool. It'd be cool be that. But I, just, I hope they show it on TV. I want to see that. I just worry that as the night goes on, he will start falling apart. Oh, I shut just, up, I just it's worry that that's what... He doesn't age. We all know that. He's a, he defies the aging process. He's like a mummy pellet. Yeah. It just carries on and on. He's and like, he... like Mumra, the ever living. <laughs> that's right, yeah. It's, it's, uh, he'll never age. Anyway, next question. I don't know. Uh, this one's quite a long one, but bear with it. Um, it's from a guy called Shep. He wants to know where the quality controlling games has gone. Um, he, he wonders how stuff like Shever's AI, uh, Condemned 2's Crazo ending, uh, Fable 2's faults, how they all get through. Whether or not um, someone actually does playtest this, this stuff or whether or not they just bung it out on release and wait for a patch to do the job. And Mike, you'll know this. He said recently that three weeks before it's released, the producer of Street Fighter 4 went back and changed some stuff. Is that legit? I hadn't heard that. Okay, um, that's what that's what Shep's heard. So yeah, he wants less patches and more games, and he wants to know why it's happening. The minute they put hard drives on consoles, that was the beginning of the end for complete games being released on day one, I think. Uh, I mean, PC Gamer's have been used to it for years for getting something of a beta on day one. I mean, look at Empire Total War. It's been patched twice already and still doesn't work properly. I love the game, but man, it ain't working properly. Um, I, I think mean, it's something we all want. We're we all want with his, games. what he's saying though is he's essentially he's like criticizing several different aspects of testing. One is something that's fixed through bug testing. You know, Sheva's AI should be should have been like you know drawn up as like a real fault, critical mm. fault with the game, and essentially something for the programmers to sit and work on and work on and work on until it was right. Because she most because you know she gets in your way. Uh, she uses entire cans of the herb when you know, cans of spray when you only need to heal up yeah. a little bit. She. She's forever using the wrong tool for the wrong job. She's useless. And that's something that should have been picked up by the regular playtesters. But things like a bad ending, that's that, not something that, that just gets picked up by focus yeah. tests more than anything, you know? And of course, some, some developers control. don't even do that. Some developers don't like focus test with the public. But then you have like Valve, who accessibility test everything. Right now, they test absolutely everything. They say it's one of the most useful tools they do. Anyone who's listened to Valve's director's commentaries, and you absolutely should because they're excellent. Mm. If anyone wants to really understand how level designing games work, you know, listen to these sort of things while you're playing through the game. You can, play, you can enjoy the game and listen to all this stuff. It's just a great way to play. The way they design games, essentially, they build a section and then they have a bunch of just Joe Schmoes come in to try and play through it. And every time they come up against a part where they're not quite sure where to go, they flag it up. It's not, you know, it's not an accident. When you play a Valve game, you always somehow know where you're going. It's it's a it's a weird sixth sense kind of thing. You always seem to know where you're going, even when you've got a choice of directions to go. You always seem to choose the right way. That's just that's a really yeah something they get through testing. Awful endings on games again. You, uh, that's just 
bad writing. Yeah. Is that happens for the same reason you get awful endings on movies? I love. I think it's subject. A degree of subject. Subjective to that as well. I mean, it's just like some one, one person's bad ending isn't another person's bad ending. I think you know everyone can agree that Chevy's AI is not good. Yeah, I, but some I, people might I want think. Quick rant know, about that actually, because I mean, Mike's right in the the whole first aid spray when you need only need like a quarter health, which one green herb will do do the job nicely for. But um, she's got this whole you got a cover and attack position. You can set her. One or the other. When she'll and use just a pistol, a, right? And when it's she'll just use a lose lose situation because give her, if she's in cover, she'll only use the weakest weapon. If you give her the stun rod, she'll just use the stun rod. Like, this is against the Reaper, which is a one hit kill enemy. Um, otherwise, it's just handgun. You have to physically take, you know, you have to forcibly remove those weapons from her and give her something better. The inventory system's awful. But then if you put her in the attack position, she wastes loads of ammo. She never follows you. A big problem I had was that she was always lagging behind me, but if you send her off to attack, she never follows you. So Resident Evil was made up of loads of uh, little areas that you get to the door at the end of the area, you press B, and you need your partner to be there with you until you progress to the next one. If she's in an attack position, she goes off and does her own thing. So you get to the end of a level, then you have to stand there, wait for her. She's inevitably at the start of that level give her a minute to catch up with you before you can get through to the next area. So you have to keep putting her back into cover manually yeah. anyway. And then, if she's in attack, she'll go and she'll go on suicide runs. Yeah, and so we're Reaper, saying, we're not dealing with anything revolutionary here. No. Somehow, Ubisoft have managed to turn out Rainbow Six One, Rainbow Six Two, Vegas, Grawl One and Grawl Two, both of which you're walking around with two or three guys out at your side, and they always seem to get around yeah. all right. I mean, sometimes they do some, do some douchebag stuff, but mostly they get around okay. Sheva, I didn't have a single moment in that game when she wasn't there. I mean, the thing with, um, with, the, with the Reaper as well is that in attack mode, she will go and attack it as close up as possible. But as soon as he sprays that gunk and gets his, uh, gets his arm, like, spike things ready, dead straight away. The amount of times that I die, like, I'm doing it through unprofessional now, which is just a nightmare with Sheva. But even on, on veteran, it's definitely a co-op level game on that level. Yeah, even with veteran on her, you can't play with attack and live to see the end of the level without having to, you know, have five or six restarts and put her back on cover because mm. she's just not good enough. And yet somehow you still love the game. I, I do. It's got a lot of replay value. Yeah, I uh, stand by my score one hundred percent. I think uh, it's got a lot of problems. I think Dead Space shows it up in many many ways. But you know, I'm playing it through. Jeez, it must be about eight times now. Yeah. Plus Mercs as well, of course. Yeah. And uh, it's a fun game. The more I play it, the more I like it. I've got over the disappointment, the initial disappointment of the story, of the whole cover system, which is dreadful, of Sheva. There are a few workarounds, and obviously if you play it on co-op, you don't have that problem. Um, it's still a very, very good game, but it's just massively disappointing next to their last effort, That's which really. was Resi 4. To wrap up the um, quality control thing, though, I think the moment quality control went to hell... Which I don't think it really has, but if we if it were argue, if we were to argue that it has, I think it's just because it's just a characteristic of this generation. It's never been so hard or so complex to make games. When you make a game the size of Oblivion, you gotta expect a few bugs. Mm. You can't make a game that big without a few things going wrong along the way, without being because you can't test for everything in a game that size. You can't test for the the, the, the gamer who's gonna do something out of order. Because there's so many things you can do. Out of Sometimes it adds to the game, like Oblivion, where the paintbrushes had no gravity. Like, I loved breaking the game by yeah. stacking paintbrushes and you up could walk and jumping. On them, make stairs. And that's good, you know. Some glitches, it sounds stupid, but do add value to a game. Saints yeah. Row 2 wouldn't be half the game it was if it worked properly. Yeah, if it weren't such a shambles. <laughs> 
Like, I think it's just really hard to make games now. Um, there is never an excuse for, like, awful narrative failings. And there are certain things which you could say are game-breaking before the game shipped, like, I think, Sheva. But when I think it isn't unrealistic to expect a bug or two, but then it also isn't unrealistic to get a finished game for your money. Uh, you guys, Rock7 wants to know, Tim, what kind of thematic content do you want in Alan Wake? He wants it to go to down the Stephen King slash Twin Peaks road. I think that's the road they're already taking. Haven't yeah, they? no, I they're definitely taking that. It's definitely Stephen King territory. I mean, the, the story is very, very Stephen King, and it looks. The, the thing with Alan Wake is we don't actually really know that much about it because they've been so ridiculously puckered up about it. Scandal um, developers, but they always keep the lid on the can. But from what we've seen, it does a very you know Stephen King territory, very sort of um, the dark half. You know, uh, bag of bones, that sort of Stephen King style thing. You know, um, how many books has Stephen King written, or stories has Stephen King written about writers? A lot, yeah, Quite a lot. Yeah, he's written a lot about them. That's the thing they say that a lot of writers get to a point in their lives where they can only they, they can only essentially write about what they know. Writers or artists. Themselves. Mm. I'm reading Doomicky right now. Actually, it's about a guy who's uh, who was in an accident. He's drawing now. Man, I'm not enjoying it. I'll be honest. Steve, yeah. Steve, Lucy really liked it, but I'm not. Stephen King's very. Uh, very up and down, I find. You know, like his 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 really really good books are absolutely peerless, but is but he writes some absolute shatters. Yeah. Well. You can't be that prolific without exactly, that and that was, that's what I was about to say. Is that you look at any writer who's been going on as long as he has, you are gonna, you know, these writers they have to crank one out a year, you know, and that's that's tough work. Didn't he retire a while ago? And then he was in a car yeah. accident. Yeah. yeah, well, he wasn't in a car accident. He got knocked down by got a car. Knocked down, nearly died. Yeah. Um, Added that story to um, he's got a big opus, um, Dark Tower, yeah. seven book series, and that is actually a bit of a spoiler here, but that actually becomes part of the story of the Dark Tower. Huh. It's very interestingly done when you first when you first like pick up on that book five or six Wolves of the Color, I think it is when that first comes into play. You're like writing yourself into your own story. Not a good sign, but so amazingly, been doing that for years. amazingly, he pulls it out and it, it, and it does work. Yeah, King's been doing that for years. He's basically he's like the Woody, Woody Allen of authors. Yeah, it's like every every time Woody Allen makes a film, even if Woody Allen's not in mm. it, someone's going to be playing Woody Allen. The one thing I will say about King though is that although his quality drops sometimes, I mean the guy must have an imagination yeah. like a. I mean, he just pulls it out year after year after year. These you know these kind of. It's not like he's had one or two hits. He's had I can name a good twenty, twenty five. Yeah, exactly. Amazing. And when stories. he's when he's like on his game, man alive. I mean, one of my favourite books ever is uh, is is the Green Mile. And people say, yeah, I saw the film. I don't care whether you've seen the film or not. The book is is not like the film. It is. I mean, the films. That the Green pretty, Mile was originally released as like yeah. Part the film. The week. film's pretty pretty close to the book, but there's a couple of things that aren't in the film. But until you've read it, the writing in the Green Mile is extraordinarily good. Mm. Just extraordinarily good. It's just amazing writing. And, uh, yeah, I just think it's an absolute work of genius. And he's done a couple of other, obviously, he's, you know, his horror stuff and stuff. But I'm not as... I'm not... I prefer it when he sort of, like, grinds stuff a bit more, you know? I uh, know. I think The Dark Tower is perhaps the greatest bit of fiction I've ever read. Um, I really like The Stand. I think as a standalone book, The Stand is second to none but the dark tower uh it's basically it's, it's about a gunslinger and he's on a journey across this like um 
like these this this massive world really it's like those desert and stuff there are all these monsters in this world and there's a giant tower holding this world together um and he's he's on the journey there and he picks up like a few people on the way but the way it's written like you you find out fairly early on like book two or three there are doorways in these worlds where he can go through to other worlds and pick people up like he goes in the second book the drawing of the three he goes and gets his companions from these other worlds which turn out to be our world and then you find out that this 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 world that um he's in has all these different doorways which end up being all doorways to his books so one doorway goes into the stan world and one doorway goes into I think. See, now I'm interested. World. I was just sitting here thinking, I don't know what the hell. So, so suddenly, so suddenly, yeah, every book that Stephen King wrote matters. Yeah, it's all it unified in this world. It's just like the vision to be able to do that and then to tie it. It doesn't. That it doesn't do like, it with every book, but a lot of his stuff. One thing I would say though is that DC Comics did that with Crisis on Infinite Earths back in the day. Yeah. Yeah, like when DC realized they created too many universes, they just mashed them all how far together. About, how far about the mid early eighties? This was seventies, I think, when he did um, drawing of three. Because well, the thing with DC back in the no, day, is Dark Tower wasn't that early. The first couple were, wasn't it? Not not late seventies. No, I, think it was, it was. Like I thought Gunslinger was. I thought Gunslinger was like seventy-seven or something. No, I maybe Car- Carrie was like seventy-seven, wasn't oh, yeah, it? Oh, I might be wrong. I might be eighties. I don't think he did Dark Tower until well into the eighties. Uh, I'm, I can't comment either way. I don't know a great deal about King, but back in the day, so that's the thing with DC. It's like it's, they're, they're never happy. It's like Marvel have like Wolverine, and like I mean they do have a girl Wolverine. So that's a bad example, um, but they have like they have Cyclops, mm. they have Professor X, they have Magneto, they'll have Doctor Doom, they'll have you know whoever Quicksilver, and have all these guys. But it's, it's never enough for DC. If it were D, if it's DC, they've always got like Batman and Batgirl and Batcar and Bat mm. Kid and Bat Bug and Bat Dog. And so they Bat have all, Yeah, and then they have like three different versions of Batman. Like they have like yeah. dark Batman and light yeah. Batman. And then they have like different universes. And it's like, so you've got like Batman from the future, Batman from the past, Batman with a gun. And you got DC are never happy. They're always trying to do more. And you've got like, oh, you know, which, uh, which Green Lantern are you on? Green Lantern 7. And I need the Green Lantern core. There's friggin' Daisy Green. There's John Green. And it's just an endless succession of characters who are green. And then. They, they always got just too much. So they came to this point in the early 80s where they were like, you know what, we've gone too far. It's such a mess. There's like 10 Flashes. There's four Supermen. We, we need to fix this. So you Crisis on Infinite Earths, which was essentially killing, destroying all of the other universes. But it meant for this one story that all of the universes came together. Mm-hmm. So you had like Superman from Earth 3 fighting Superman from Earth 1. I think that's the right number as well, by the way. That's good memory. No, it's good. Uh, yeah, so Superman from Earth 3, who was, which is like Earth 3 back then, was the uh, corrupted one. Yeah. Where like the Justice League were actually a league of supervillains and so on. So you had Ultraman and Owlman and so on and all these guys. So they, they mash all the universes together. And at the end, you come out with one whole universe. Yeah. Which uh, they spun lots of New King things out of, like Jack Kirby. No, was it Jack Kirby? It was, no, it's John Byrne, I think it was, who wouldn't have been Jack Kirby. Mm-hmm. It's John Byrne, I think, who relaunched Superman. I, I'm re- I'm, my comic book re- recollection's going at this point. I've never been a big Superman fan, so I can't say I've. Um, but read basically, a lot. they just rebooted the DC universe by essentially mm. spreading this story, which ran through all of their universes, and that's that very idea really appeals to me. Yeah. Like, well, that's what Dark Tower is. Like I say, seven books. And, and I didn't know other, that about the Dark Tower. He brings other writing works into it as well. So, like, Harry Potter ends up playing a real big part. In Wolves of the Caller, there's a... Oh, it's a long time since I read it, but there's this town, I think, like, kids or something, are snatched by these giant mechanical wolves. And uh, and in the end, they have to use, like, weapons, which all, all the weapons used against them are, like, golden snitches, 
they're like dice people up when they're thrown you know right. obviously in harry potter that's what quidditch is all about grabbing that but the way he ties it all in i know it just works works very well we've gone a bit off topic yeah <laughs> let's have one so, more question then uh okay we've got um light heart one for the end then jonesy 911 wants to know if you could have a day out with any game character who would oh, it be and what would God, you do whoa, unfortunately jonesy, jonesy continues and and ends up saying sex with lara croft goes without saying wink wink <laughs> wink nudge nudge Whoa. Oi, oi. Oh, oh, oh jonesy dong 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 uh any ideas i'd go running with faith my asthma, my inhaler would be on overdrive that day, but I'd go running with Dude, faith. you would die. <laughs> It'd be that's, that's why it's such a good idea. On your first jump, you'd die. You would run towards, she'd run towards the edge I'd of the building. Something, I'd do something like a bit not quite as dangerous. She'd run towards the edge of the building, she would jump, you'd run towards the building and go, whoop, don't fancy that, and you'd go I, back indoors. I'd, no, I'd start off like, in, in that indoor training environment, maybe. There's no indoor there. training environment. You'd be getting yeah, on a rooftop. Is. Level one no, is a rooftop. No, no. <laughs> I don't mean I'd, I'd be playing the game. It says if you could have a day out with a character. And like so you just hang stuff. out and just eat sandwiches and stuff. No, we go running. We go running. But I just make sure it was a little bit safer than usual. I'm I'd, not diving over trains. I'd have a like day that. out with Frank West in the mall. That would be good fun. <laughs> taking taking on the Zomboys with some uh, with some. Uh, We've had this discussion around that way before. Everyone was like, "What game world would you like to be in?" It's Everyone's like, "Oh, Gears of War, a world with chainsaws and or killing." It's like bullshit. All three of us went last five minutes there. Go for the safest thing you can. The thing is, though, is uh, with uh, Dead Rising, is they're shambolo zombies, so you'd be all right. Because if the worst came to the worst, you just get to a high point and you wait out the rest of the day until you come back into the... What, what about the when the day in that mode, they become, At the end of the day in that mode, they become worse. They become nightmarish, super fast zombies. Well, not yeah. super fast, but faster and more aggressive. Mm. Say so not good. Not a good result. Now, kill a clown with chainsaws would turn up. Yeah, oh, and, and yeah. There's, a, there's a crazy dad hunting with his gun, his yeah. rifle. yeah. The psychopath in the psychopath in the truck. Yeah, of course the ex- escape convicts, the gunshot guy. I'd be the biggest pussy. I would like all these stories. Like, oh yeah, which one would you be? Oh, It'd stay on the head. Oh, I'd be Duke Nukem. I'd, I'd be all the aliens. No, you wouldn't, dude. You would be. <laughs> you'd be Nobby Nobby boy. Yeah, you, yeah. <laughs> you'd be you'd be rolling the katamari. You'd be you'd be two inches tall rolling the katamari. That's who you'd be. That's, That's a bit dangerous if that rolls back the wrong way. Like, who, who, what would I be in a game? I don't know. Something where I'm just the biggest pussy and I drink cups of tea. That's right. Uh, well, we were saying it. Me and my me and my missus were saying this on the weekend. I can't remember what we were watching. Some film, anyway, you know, like where some guy goes, you go on. I'll, I'm going to die anyway. Don't worry. I'll take care of them. And uh, he goes in a battle against a million zombies or something. And we, I was saying to, to my missus, said, that wouldn't be me. I'd be like, please save me. Look, take me with you. Put me on your back. I, I, I don't want to die. <laughs> There's no way I'd be like, save yourself. I'd be like, save me. Yeah, I would be, if anything, like forget like having sex with Lara Croft. That, that, that alone would probably hurt me. I would be the guy who works Lara Croft's computer sending her emails. <laughs> that, that, would, that would be me yeah I would be that guy you'd and be he, the guy who dies yeah, in see, Underworld that's what I mean even, like, even <laughs> the guy who works with a freaking computer gets killed if you're, if you're banging Lara Croft you're getting killed but this isn't playing the game this is a day out with someone just and what would you do having a bit of fun I don't know, just, just go to a freaking theme park Mike with, would, I, I know, know what Mike would do Matt Hazard Mike, no, Mike would want to spend a day with Larry in, in Tinseltown or wherever it is he is. Mike would go to a uni campus with leisure suit Larry. There you go. That's <laughs> Mike's answer. Dude takes it easy, kicks back, meets lots of girls. That's not sound too bad, I guess. Brilliant. And he's, that's it. He's, oh, right he's, there, well. he's still a greasy little pedo, though, so I'm not that convinced. <laughs> 
Okay, well, on that, that bombshell, we're going to uh, say goodbye. And uh, if you want to catch up with the daily happenings in the office, then go to our Twitter, uh, twitter.com forward slash Xbox World 360. Uh, you can come on our, our website and post questions on the forum, and we'll try and answer them in the next one. And you can send us emails at xbw.futurenet.co.uk. Uh, otherwise, we'll speak to you soon. Bye. Yep. Bye-bye. Oh, I'd hang out with Tony Hawk. Tony Hawk seems all right. Seems like a good guy. But you die skateboarding, Mike. Jerk. <laughs> <laughs>